Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hello there. For this week's episode, I'm joined by a vocal coach, singer, songwriter, vocal producer, arranger and artist developer who has worked with the likes of Justin Timberlake, the Dave Matthews Band, Pharrell Williams, Rihanna, Lizzo, Kelly Clarkson, Kelly Rowland, the list goes on. Robert Rob Stevenson, what a pleasure it is to meet you. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me, Alexa. I'm doing fantastic. And you? Great, thank you. And how's Atlanta? Um, I just got in uh, yesterday. Uh, it's hot. It's humid. Um, but it's nothing like uh, where I just came from um, on on tour. And that was in Raleigh. You would think that the further north, it wouldn't be as bad. But um, Raleigh and Virginia Beach were two of the last shows I did with Dave Matthews before taking a break for that leg of the summer tour. And people were being pulled in and out of the concert on stretchers because of the heat and humidity. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is, I mean, it's always sad to see people, you know, get taken out on a stretcher. But I would walk around the venue taking notes and I will see people out on the stretcher with the medics. And then they're shooting them up with IVs, getting fluid. And then they shake it off and they run right back in there. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, for the love of music, they, they'll just keep running out there. It's hilarious sometimes to see. Could you give us uh, an insight to your story and how you were led into the music industry and how you became to be the vocal coach that you are today? OK, briefly, because it's a long story. Um, I come from a family of singers. My sister and my mother, they sing in the Florida Mass Choir. And anytime we would show up or visit a church, you know, they would people would recognize my mom in the audience and would ask her to come up and sing just randomly. And she would be the one would set the atmosphere for worship and or before the the pastor would get up and speak. And um, they joined the Florida Mass Choir. My sister, who's five years older than me, her name is Diane. She started playing the drums for the Florida Mass Choir. So she was like one of the first female drummers in the state of Florida to, to really kind of do that. And I was that little kid that was adventurous, that really didn't even care nothing about music at the time, because everybody else was doing it. I was always different. <laughs> and so I wanted to be like a FBI agent that did martial arts and would bring people to justice. That was, that was my thing. But um, one day riding home from church in the car, the family would always sing. I would always sit in the back and just be in, you know, daydreaming in the back about my adventures of what I was gonna do the next day outside or that day outside. And my mom asked me to sing. And my mom is the type of mother that she only asks you one time. Yeah. And if you don't, I used to call it fist of fury. She'll just start swinging her arms at you, go hit you upside the head when you don't respond after her first, you know, time telling you to do something. And she asked me to sing in the car on the way home from church. I act like I didn't hear her because I was embarrassed and I didn't want to sing. And those the fist of fury started flying. She hit me in the head. My head hit the dashboard and the window. I don't know how she was able to do that. But I started singing and crying at the same time. <laughs> and through the tears, my mom, she heard potential in that. She did say I sound like a frog, but she heard some potential in that and put me in the youth choir at church immediately. 
Yeah. I don't know it was from if it was from sheer embarrassment of how I sound at the time and didn't want me to embarrass the family because everybody else could sing. And next thing you know, I was leading songs and in, in the children's choir and the youth adult, all of that. It just really took off from that point. Then in school, um, I was in the choir with um, in middle school and then high school. I pursued that with um, uh, the music, the choral director, Dr. David Martin who I just talked to over the weekend and showed him what I was doing at these concerts and to make him proud. He was always like a father to father figure to me. And um, he always inspired me to do great things with music. Uh, anytime there was like a pep rally at school, he would let me use the school equipment to go and perform and, and do all of that stuff. As long as I brought it back safe in the condition that I found it in. And, and um, it just started with a lot of that. Um, I started the industry professionally as a artist back in 1993 released a single and an album a couple singles and an album that did really well and i left the industry for a second then came back you know to be a part of this group called 911 where a friend of mine daryl adams who i look up to got a job you know we were in a group called 911 and then that group kind of dispersed and fell off and we were signed to the the record company, the independent label Rip It Records that I was signed to. Um, they took on the group project and they thought it would be something really big and the group dispersed. And then Teddy Riley, he um, signed the group who also had Blackstreet at the same time. So I felt like that was a bit of a conflict of interest and that didn't work out. Although it's a beautiful album, if you were able to hear it, it's leaked on the internet. Um, the album is by a group called 911. And that was really awesome. And then the group dispersed. And then one day, Justin Timberlake was in Virginia Beach working on his album with Pharrell Williams and Chad in the studio. And the mix engineer, his name was Serban, who was mixing the album. And Daryl Adams were good friends with um, Serban, the mix engineer. And Justin was looking for two background vocalists to go on tour with him. And he called Daryl down to the studio. They took him out to dinner and uh, they asked him to find the other guy. And he called me. Yeah. And next thing you know, um, nine days later after that phone call, me and him both were singing background for Justin in LA nine days later after that, and it was all God. Yeah, no doubt about it. No audition, no nothing, yeah. How did it feel to, because you were an artist already, how did it feel to then start working with somebody like Justin? Well, it was beautiful, it was awesome. For me, at that time, I was, when I was doing the artist thing, you know, I really didn't have much help, you know, as far as, um, I mean, I had help in Orlando, but the group that I was in prior to me going solo, you know, there was a bit of tension because I left the group to go solo, but I still wanted, you know, one of the members who was a mentor of mine named Tyrone Wilson to continue working with me on this project. And hopefully by me being signed, you know, I can help him get signed, but they, it just didn't work out that way. So I was arranging vocals on my own project at the same time. Some of it I, I did well in and some things I was experimenting on and then it turned out pretty good. Um, so I hadn't really been on the road singing background for anyone. And my first background gig was singing background with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. So when I got that gig, you know, I was always told to just be aware of what's going on around you. You're there. Yeah, I'm there to sing background, but learn as much as I can from it. So I was always a sponge. And that's when I met his voice coach, Robin Wiley. I call her the great 
Robin Wiley. She was showing that. She would not like me saying that. But she still to this day remains the best voice coach I've ever worked with. And I still use a lot of her techniques when I'm teaching yeah, as well, uh, as well as my own. But um, I met her and under she taught me things about the voice that I have never, never in my life knew existed. And at that time, I had went back to college at this university here that's known for their music program and Spivey Hall, and it's called Clayton State University. And I had taken a partial scholarship, you know, singing in the choir. I did not want to be a voice major. I didn't want to sing classical, although I've done that for a long time. I didn't want to pursue that avenue of doing voice. And when I met Robin, she just blew my mind. She was able to answer all these questions that the professors uh, who were great at what they did, but they didn't know this information that she had. And I used to call her the vocal magician. She was able to do all kinds of things with the voice, manipulate it, keep it healthy and strong. And I used to follow her around, still not trying to be a voice coach. I just knew she was awesome at what she did. And it intrigued me as a vocal producer. And a lot of people think that vocal producers are vocal coaches in some way. It's a difference. Yeah. So the vocal producer, if you can vocal produce, that's great, which is what I do. But to have the knowledge of the voice coach and being able to work with ENTs and, you know, doctors in order that in order to rehabilitate singers from injury, post or pre-surgery, you know what I'm saying? Um, she had that kind of knowledge. And it fascinated me because as a vocal producer in the studio, if a singer got tired, you know, after just doing an hour worth of work, normally we'll tell them to take a break. Sometimes they'll go out and smoke a cigarette, go get something to eat. And then they come back and wonder why, oh my gosh, why is your voice different? Oh, or wait till the next day to finish recording. And then you wonder, oh my gosh, why is your voice different? We should have got all these takes yesterday. And it was it's a gap as far as being able to be able to fix things and not just fix it in post with Melodyne and Auto-Tune. I wanted to be able to fix it naturally. And she had all those tools. And um, she fell ill and she passed in 2006. But before she did, she gave me a CD full of exercises to work with Justin when she wasn't around. And God told me to teach a thousand singers just off of that CD. And I tried to get to a thousand. I probably got rejected way more than I got people to let me teach them, even for free. Yeah. So I got up to about 287 singers and I was probably rejected 773 times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or 723. Yeah. 723 times um, from people. And I was just trying to do it for free just to meet that thousand person goal. And it just never happened. And I prayed and I got upset with God and Ask God, how could I do something? And it just felt impossible when I kept getting rejected, even going to church and trying to work with praise teams. And I would I had my little book and I would write one, 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 one slash. That's five singers. And I, if I got 20, one time, I think I had a choir of like 56 people. And I was like, yes, I'm going to win this thing. And, I, and then several other times I got rejected majority of the time. So. And it's funny, those people, they hit me up today. Hey, can I still get that free lesson? <laughs> no, <laughs> you had your chance. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty crazy. But that kind of led into all of that. And then I fell in love with this, this, this new gift, this new toy to be able to help, help singers. And, and it wasn't the amount of singers that God was teaching me about having a thousand. It was the quality of singer, not the quantity. So I focused on the, the, the quality versus quantity. You hear most coaches say, I have a hundred people in my studio. I have 200 singers. And I'm like, about 75% of them are going to suck. 
because ain't that much attention in the world. So if I can have five or 25 singers that are, I can really focus all my attention into and they do great, great things, excuse me, you know, that'll make me happy. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm getting, they're getting the best of me, you know, at that point. So, and I, I don't count how many people are on our roster ever. I don't do that at all. And when you started to coach and when you had all those amazing experiences with Robin, did you start to change the way you listened or the way you performed or the way you took in gigs as a backing vocalist? Well, you know what? So the crazy thing is when I had those tools, I noticed, I noticed as a, um, a vocalist myself that there were areas of my voice or notes that I would get lucky singing. I used to call it, yo, I got lucky tonight. And then I have to sing that same song tomorrow night. I'm like, uh-oh. And then there's the insecurities. Here it comes again. Oh, I missed it. Now my confidence is down. But with the training, with my own voice, you know, I'm able to execute those notes when I, with not even thinking twice about it. You know what I'm saying? And do even more. So I'm not going to tell somebody to do it when I can't do it. You know what I mean? So it gave me a level of confidence. And then when I work with singers and they don't think that they can't do certain things, I start giggling and laughing because I know what's going to happen if they stick with it. And then a month or two later after doing it, they're like, I didn't believe you at first. And they'll mock me. They'll be like, ha ha, this dude is crazy. He don't know what he's talking about. All right, I'll stick along. I'll, I'll hang in there just for a little bit. And then, you know, weeks go by of just con consistent training. And then they'll go to sing the songs that they were getting lucky on. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's too easy. We need to race it back up to the original key. That's even easy. Oh gosh, what's happening? And then you get these, what I call praise reports. And then I just start laughing. And I was like, you remember when we talked about this in the beginning and you were laughing at me and you thought you couldn't do it? You, know, you knew I was crazy. And then now you're doing it. Hey, there it is. The proof is in the pudding. So that makes me happy. Yeah. And as a background vocalist, I was not only um, able to do arrangements with Robin Wiley. I don't know if you probably know Robin Wiley's work. She um, coached and arranged vocals for NSYNC. And she's uh, worked with the kids on the Mickey Mouse Club, meaning Justin Timberlake, JC Chazé, um, Ryan Goslin, who was on there as well, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, and a whole cast of other people. But she was amazing. So me um, being able to do some core arrangements for the Justified tour with her and then moving on to rearranging a lot of the album arrangements for um, the Future Sex Love Show album, I was able to implement one of the other gifts that I was doing as an artist myself back in 93, which was arranging vocals. So by me continuing to do that, that was just another extension what I was able to do as a vocal coach um, on the road. And I still do that with him to this very day. So the 2020 experience tour, I coached the singers on that and him and the Man of the Woods tour as well. And then that spiraled into doing that for Rihanna and then doing that for Kelly Clarkson and then Kelly Rowland and yeah, and a lot of other artists. <laughs> if you had to pick out one bit of information that Robin shared with you, what would be that thing? See, my, my relationship with Robin was kind of interesting. She thought I was crazy. You know, I am. Because <laughs> I found what she did was so fascinating. I think she didn't realize how gifted she was. 
she knew she was good. She knew she was really good at what she did, you know, to work not only with those group of people, but a lot of other artists. But I don't think she expected people to kind of pursue her the way I did, you know, to the point to where it was during their bribery. You know, her house in Nashville, they used to call it the Barbie house. And I was like, oh, the Barbie house, that's easy. I'm gonna get her some Barbie dolls for the Barbie house. And I was like, hey, can I come to your room and and just talk to you about the voice? She was like, all right, okay, you, you're weird. It was like that. But just to hear her sit there and listen to how she would hear vocals and how she would arrange vocals, you know, she had this jazz thing about her. You know, she worked with the Flectones. If you look them up, you know, they were doing all kinds of music. You know what I'm saying? And she implemented a lot of those arrangements of like what she did with um, Gone by NSYNC. She did the string arrangements in the beginning of that and then some of the vocal stuff. She did that on their Christmas album. I thought she knew when you listen to those harmonies, you would think Take Six or Manhattan Transfer arranged those vocals. That was Robin Wiley. You know, so to hear how she worked with voices and, and arrangements that were on the album and weren't on the album and to create stuff on the spot for tours, I took a lot of that information. And the way she prepped the singers for the Justified album, I took that and tried to take it up a whole nother level, you know, and understanding that um, you have to stretch your voice. You got to warm it up. You know, you have to train it. And there's the difference between just a warm up versus a training session, you know, before singing. And so I've implemented, you know, like um, a three vocal warm up and cool down, you know, thing that I do with artists. I don't care who they are. <laughs> We're going to do it this way. And it's it seemed to work every single time. Yeah. So there's a lot of nuggets that she's dropped. And I'm like, OK, if she did it like this, what if I add this to it? Because as a vocalist, I'm not going to take that part of me out of the equation. I'm going to constantly keep that in to try and see it from the singer's perspective as well, not just the coach, do this, do this, do this. I'm going to always be like, well, if you do this, this is what it feels like for me being a singer. So I take myself through it before I start telling other singers how to do certain things, getting up, doing cardio, you know, on the day of show days and even off days, making sure your body stays in shape to be able to handle it. Because I've been saying it for years and people were fighting it. Now it's funny to hear everybody say, oh, singers are athletes. Uh -huh. I'm like, that's old news. I've been saying that. I've even got fussed at when I've said that before in conferences. And then now it's funny to see people you know, kind of turning the page on that now. Yeah, yeah, we're vocal athletes like gymnasts. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> but there it is. Yeah. And would you be happy to share with us one of the vocal warm ups that you do with any of your artists? I mean, it's a it's the same, um, hardly probably no different than somebody else. But then I add a lot of different variations of some of the things I'll do. You know, I use I use Strawfall Nation. I use um, you know, cups and, and all kinds of stuff to actually stretch the voice out. All right, um, all right, so I mean, there's a couple things. Of course, you have the five tone. Yeah, I don't really play with that that way that much. I do, I'll do a lot of descending stuff. Yeah, and then I'll double it up. That's some things. Then the octave descending pattern. And then what I'll add for, um, Let's say, for instance, for breath control, intonation, vocal agility. And I'll say, OK, we're going to do what I call as a half step drop, right? 
Half step drop, you gotta get to 12 scale patterns on one single breath. And it starts now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And we'll go all the way to like 12. And most singers, they're panicking. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't make it to 12. What's happening? I can't breathe. I'm like, you're not dead yet. Come on, let's get back to work. And it becomes a game. And everybody loves games. You know what I'm saying? They love to be challenged. And every singer I work with, all of them are competitive. And I'm like, well, such and such did this this many times. And like, what? And then now they want to go past 12 on one single breath, not realizing I'm going to tr going through areas where their voice have trouble or challenges. And they're not even thinking about that. And then they're flying through those areas with, with ease, like you wouldn't believe, because they're trying to make it to 12 scale patterns on one breath. So it's a bit of manipulation at the same time while we're building strength in the voice. So that would be an example of that. I'll do that with a long scale too. And sometimes I break that off into harmonies where that becomes the game while working on dynamics and blending and all that other good stuff. Yeah. So that's some examples. Great. And we've mentioned there the only a fraction of the high profile clients that you've worked with and, and continue to work with. And in fact, I, my mouth actually feels a bit famous having just said them. <laughs> um, as much as you're able to share, what does a session with a famous voice look like? It's no different and, and vice versa. I don't treat it any different with new clients that aren't, that don't have that success. I'm going to treat them all the same across the board. You know, um, they might think I might be harder on them or easier on the uh, big pop star. Uh, nobody gets a break because I'm not there for one to be their friend. They didn't hire me for that. It's, you can't buy that from me. That has to be earned and vice versa. I have to earn their trust and their friendship, but I'm not there for that right away. I'm there for what they called me to do, which is to help them get through this particular challenge in their voice. Once again, the success and confidence back on the stage, because at some point when singers stop training and think they could just wake up and go and sing, it, that gets old real quick and they start to develop bad habits and then bad habits come with singing with bad technique, which causes them to t start to sing in what I call survival mode by any means necessary to get the notes out. And then next thing you know, their confidence starts to starts to drop really quickly and then they start dropping keys of songs which takes songs out of the frequency or the chakras that hit the body for, for, for instance and then people are like oh my gosh if they don't know much about music they're like oh my gosh it sounds like they're singing flat well it's not really flat they just changed the key of the song and then they're like well it doesn't sound right or it doesn't hit the same way to them so it, it just becomes a, a lot of issues so my thing is to get there and start fixing things immediately and help where I can help at. And then next thing you know, they're raising the keys back up, their confidence is going through the roof, and then now they're singing through the full set and still have a voice once they get off the stage, even though I'm gonna cool it down and get the voice to settle down after the show. And then the next night, do it all over again. Yeah. And what does your job entail when you're on the road with somebody? Is it the same sort of thing or do you change things up? It all depends. I'm almost like, uh, uh, well, uh, a psychiatrist. <laughs> 
in every situation and, and every other voice coach will tell you they kind of feel like they have that too um but while on the road i'm also like the weatherman i'm looking at what the climate uh, the, the weather is going to be like uh are we going to have challenges with altitude you know if we're in a spot where uh, there's humidity there how much water is the singer you know drinking or consuming did they stay up late and party last night do i need to go down and drag them from the bar and like go to bed you know what i'm saying I, it's a lot of different things you know but mainly while we're out on the road, I know before sound check, I'm gonna do a, a warm up that's gonna start right between, depending on what they sound like in the morning, you know, I'm gonna start balancing out the middle to chest voice right away. And then I'm gonna start going from chest to head voice towards the end of that workout before they have to do like a sound check, right? And then they'll rest. Um, I'm not, I may not even do it the full 30 sack, 30 minutes. It might be 18 minutes. It might be 25 minutes. And I'm always timing myself to see how fast I can get the voice balanced to where I need it to. I don't want to stretch it fully hard before, you know, like I would before they go on stage. So there'll be another warm up that'll be anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes, you know, either 45 minutes to an hour before they walk out on stage. If it's a female, sometimes it's an hour, 15 minutes because they have to do makeup or all kinds of crazy stuff. Guys, it'll be like 45 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on how much stuff they need to get done before they go out on stage or get with their bandmates or, or whatever. Yeah. And then there's the cool down at the end. But that's going to happen every single time while I'm on the road. Now, the other thing that happens while I'm on the road is that I'm coaching other artists that are on tour and on the either on the same coast or in the middle of the United States or on the western part or on the other side of the planet where I have a room that I normally go back into and I'll work with them before they go on stage. Yeah. So like right now I'm out with Dave Matthews uh, band and I'm working with Trey Anastasia who has his solo acoustic tour that he does. He has his other band, the Trey Anastasia band that he's traveling with. And then he has Fish, who he's the front guy of that band. So they're touring, on, like, we'll be in one city and then his band comes to that city right after we leave that city with Dave Matthews. And then I have Chris Stapleton, who's a really big country artist who's doing something. And then I'll juggle that and then I'll fly out with Brandy Carlisle and do stuff on my days off and then fly back to the tour or I get to go home. So right now I have a couple days off before I fly back out to meet with this artist, uh, Brandy Carlisle, who actually brought Joni Mitchell back on stage on Sunday, which was amazing to see Joni have a set full of all of these other artists. They've been having these Joni jams which Brandy Carlisle created. Elton John has been to them several times. Herbie Hancock, Shaka Khan. And um, the other night you had um, Salise, you had Lucius, who I've also worked with, Allison Russell. All of them were sitting on the stage. And you can pull up the video and find that online where I was there for that and watch history being remade at the Newport Folk Festival, uh, which was awesome in Rhode Island. Yeah, so my day can be consumed with that and then also Lizzo just dropped her album two weeks ago and so I had to be up early in the morning for her to warm her up before the Today Show performance and then which led into her live Peloton class bike ride which she performed for that and then had a, a private concert that night for only special guests so she's getting ready for her tour Doja Cat she's recovering from a surgery on her tonsils that type of thing that's public and um she would have been out on tour, but I'm sure she's going to go out later on as well. 
um, Charlie Puth, who's actually dropping the record, who I had to work with online as well for his Today Show performance a week prior before um, Lizzo's Today Show performance. Yeah, which is like Good Morning America. Yeah, so type thing. Yeah. That sounds so busy. So how do you it's find crazy. It being on tour and, and having to be available at different hours of the day for, for different artists? Well, my wife, she's great at managing all that. If anybody schedule anything with me and they don't know me already, they know that I'm absolutely terrible at scheduling anything. I have no sense of time. But my wife, she's absolutely incredible at managing all of that. And she's like, all right, you know you got this. And she'll hit me up with reminders or like, hey, you got such and such at this time. Thank you, honey. And then I just go to my spot and I work. Yeah. Sometimes it's crazy because sometimes I may not even have a room. So I'll sit in like a sprinter and I'll work with artists that way, set up my laptop, put things in the back, kind of keyboard on my lap, and I'll work like that sometimes. Yeah. And some people may be surprised to hear that artists who they deem to be like at the top of their game peak have a vocal coach. So why is it important for them to have one? Think of it like this. When you watch TV and everybody, if you're singing, you should always look at any other professional sport. You know, when you look at professional sports, right? The coach or the trainers are not far from them. If they're in tennis, the coaches are in the stands. They're probably throwing up hand signals, or you know what I'm saying, for their player, or might yell out something, but they can't do that. They get in trouble. That's tennis. Basketball, the coaches and trainers are sitting right behind the players on the bench. They're watching every move. Uh, if the person rolled their ankle, they immediately have a plan on how to get it back or take them in the back, fix it up and bring them right back out. Or they'll call them out of the game because it's too risky, you know. So if you're a singer and don't have a voice coach, shame on you. Not trying to make you feel bad. I know it might be a little expensive, but you're worth it. You're worth the price. Don't wait for the record company to come in and say, well, we'll pay for your lesson. No. It should be something that you should be taking care of of yourself. You want to be better? Invest in yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You need to start doing that now. Now, the other thing is, don't just find the most amazing singer in the world and be like, oh my gosh, I want to sing like you. <laughs> don't do that, you know, especially if they don't have all of this other knowledge on how to fix things. Because if you don't, they'll just be putting their voice on you, which may not be good for your voice. You know what I'm saying? Find a coach that's going to help elevate your game as a vocalist and that's going to help strengthen your 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 voice based off of your needs and your goals. Simple as that. And if you do that and y'all can grow together and you see the results immediately starting to happen, if you're putting in the work, don't just wait for once a week to get with your trainer. You got to take that lesson and you have to do it daily. Well, what if I need days off? Well, you just think you, you take a day off. You can do a day of rest. You can do that. But for me and the people that I work with, they're going to spend about an hour to two hours of just working on their voice, not training for two hours, 45 minutes to an hour of, well, the first two days after the session, they just got to listen to the session and then go back and do the exercises right after that. So that'll put them at about an hour, 15, hour and a half, right? If they do that. And then after the next date, now they're just flowing into it and then they can start applying it into song. You know, which would take about two and a half hours, maybe three at the max. But just doing that five to six times out of the week, give yourself one day of rest and then come back to it. I'm not mad at that. But if you want the results, you got to put in the work. And if you don't put in the work, don't expect things to just happen that quickly for you. And once again, it goes back to you are your biggest, biggest investor. 
you have to invest in your craft. You want to get better? You want to be considered one of these elite singers? And not saying you got to do all these riffs and runs the whole time just to show that you're the best. I can tell you a bunch of singers that are incredible with doing that, but they don't have one record out to show. They're really big TikTok sensations, but they don't have one record to really show for that. They can't sell out an arena. They can't sell out a stadium, let alone a small theater. So those things are important, but are they really that important? You know what I'm saying? So the more you're training your crafts, your craft, you'll have all these different tools in order to be better when it's time to record and put out material. Mm. Yeah. And in your experience, have you found any high profile clients to need a little bit of encouragement to come on board or are they like, I want you on speed dial? Well, the th that, more so that because by the time an artist calls me, they're already in trouble majority of the time. They've already been in a situation where I would say they've tried everything on their own and it's not working. You know, they've gotten in trouble vocally and then they've either had to go and see a lot of times when they people don't understand the bigger the artists, the more the demand is, you know what I'm saying? And what I mean by that is when uh, when they're flying by the seat of their pants, meaning we drop a record tomorrow, the record goes goes number one. That artist is doing press darn near from sunup to sundown, doing phone call interviews, doing Zoom call interviews, doing all this press stuff, going to do photo shoots, going to do this. It's exhausting. And they haven't sung one note. <laughs> they're tired. You know, all right, now they're tired from being up at six o'clock in the morning because they got interviews in, in Asia somewhere or in the UK somewhere. Or in, uh, you, you just not, just think about it. And now they're sitting there, they're like, okay, now I can go back to sleep. Nope, you gotta get up, we got a photo shoot. I gotta do what? Then I gotta figure out a workout. Well, I'll just hold off on the workout. I can probably get it done later on. But while you're waiting on something later on, management already got something else pulling, waiting in the shadows or in the wings for you to take care of that. Now they're getting tired. Their, their energy meter is going, it's being depleted really quickly. Oh yeah, don't forget, you gotta do a 30, 30 uh, minute set. 30 minute set ain't that much, but when you're tired, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, my voice don't sound right. What are we gonna do? Now they go out and they go and sing, and then now their confidence is down because now everybody's got phones and they can video everything. Oh, and then everybody's a reporter. If, if the artist hit one bad note, they're gonna report it. Oh, look at what they did, ha ha. They can't even sing their own songs. And then the artists, they look at them like, oh my gosh, I was terrible. Well, let me go to the doctor and see what's going on. The doctor says, ain't nothing wrong. Yeah, you need to just get with a voice coach. And then sometimes they'll be like, well, I don't have time for a voice coach. They go back out and repeat the same thing. Then they come back to the same doctor. Then I tell you to go and see a voice coach. Here are a few that I have on my list. And then sometimes we'll get the call and then we'll sit down and have a meeting and I'll explain exactly what's going on. This is how we can fix it. Here's a game plan. And then after they stick with it, then I'm like, whoo, thank you so much. And now their confidence is going back up. Now they're demanding from management, hey, this is too much. Or we got to create this spot in the schedule. And then management will work together to make sure we're coming up with a plan where the artists can have more success so their confidence isn't going down. And if the confidence is going down, that means bad performances. And if they're having bad performances, now they're not getting the calls to do more performances. And management don't want that. They want it to keep going. So that's where we come into play. Yeah. And there are times like when people like Justin Timberlake, Adele, or Shawn Mendes have had to cancel performances. And, and that is a tough decision, um, whether that's due to injury or, or sickness or mental health. 
Uh, and are you involved in that conversation? Uh, majority of the time I am. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll get the call like, oh, what do we do? You know, I've been in those situations. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes management will ask me to talk to the artist, you know, in some cases. And if I feel like it's detrimental to the artist, I'm all about the artist's safety, first and foremost, before anybody. I don't care how much money is on the line. It's all about the longevity of the artist because it's not worth the risk. You know what I'm saying? Yes, logistically, that might be something crazy that management would have to deal with with the promoter. And that's important too. But for me, I want the artist to have the greatest amount of success. Now, there are things that are out of both of our controls. You know, an artist can't predict when they're going to get sick. They can't predict. Look at COVID. Look at what's happening right now. Everybody's been tired of being locked up, you know? And then now everybody's got so many shots in their system. It's like, okay, I've gotten all these shots. I can't stand being in my house this long. That's mental health. That that mess with people more so than the virus in some cases, especially if you're a social butterfly. And so now if this start messing with, if the singer gets it, you know, they don't know how they get it. You spend more time trying to figure out where it came from. We don't know, you know? So there are things that are out of our control when artists get sick or they get laryngitis and all that other stuff. And so on my team, I have several doctors that I work closely with. I'm like, this is what I'm hearing. This is what's going on. This is what's happening with the singer. Put them on the phone, blah, 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 blah. We'll figure out a game plan to where we can try and get ahead of that stuff so it don't spiral out of control. You know, I've worked with some clients that have had COVID and I'm like, okay, these are some of the patterns that I've seen with working with artists and how we can get them to bounce back really quickly. Because those that have the symptoms where it's sinus related, we know that that eventually goes right down to the, the vocal folds, post-nasal drip, irritates that, mucus everywhere. They try and sing, they got blobs of stuff flying out of their mouth, having to clear their throat. And then now the coughing, once it drops into the lungs and it's a whole nightmare of different things. So. We've seen some things that have actually worked to really help singers to continue touring once they've recovered from uh, COVID mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah. And I've looked back at kind of some of the comments from either media, but mainly the public when um, artists put out the announcement that they're going to have to cancel performances. And and a lot of the comments are, are positive. It's, hey, I hope you get better. We love you sort of thing. But there are some ones that are like, I spent my last dime on you. How are you seeing that affect the performer? Well, for me, for me personally, it, it, it's sad when I see people do that. And I've had some friends, or, or I wouldn't even say friends, but some people that I know have said some things about artists, you know, when artists have gone through that. And I've, I don't bite my tongue. I kind of let them have it. You know what I'm saying? And then I throw it back at them because some of them were careless when they got COVID twice, you know? And I'm like, good thing you didn't have the weight of your shoulders of millions of dollars on the line when you were out there at pool parties and now your kid got it and you want everybody to pray for you and your child because now your child in the hospital because you were careless. You know what I'm saying? That's not always the case. So for the artists in a lot of those instances, they already feel bad, you know, and you think about it, it's a sacrifice to be away from those that have families, you know, to be out on the road, you know, and it can be very lonely at times, you know, so for the artists, they hate canceling anything before COVID, you know, if they get sick, they don't like it. They, they can't stand it. But that's one of those things that's kind of out of our control. You know, it'd be cool if we can have a scanner 
Yeah, you know, like an x-ray scanner for everybody we meet. Okay, I can't shake your hand today. Yeah, they're not allowed in the meet and greet because they sick over here, you know, but we don't have that, you know. But in this case, when they do not feel well or things happen, it just happens. And it's not like they tried to get sick to cancel. It's only because we've tried everything to make sure that if they can't do the show, we have to, or else the artists risk ending the whole tour. Which one would you prefer? Because a lot of times the artists, they're going to come back to that city. It just may not be that day or that weekend and they have to come back. Yeah. For the safety of the artists. Yeah. And you work a lot with artist development. So what does it actually mean? What are you doing in, in artist development work? So in artist development work back in the day before all the social media stuff, artists, when they got signed, they had to go through like media training. You know, they had a physical trainer, they had a voice trainer. They had a choreographer working on staging. They had performance coaches. That, that's artist development to help these artists become the biggest stars that they are. You know, when you look, I've never worked with Beyonce, but I have worked with Michelle and Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child. You know, her dad, their dad and her mom, you know, mom was, was responsible for how they looked, how they carried themselves, you know, and the dad made sure that they had coaches and people to help them with interviews from their times or days at Star Search or Kids Incorporated, whatever they call themselves as a young group. And that's artist development. When I was an artist, you know, I had a voice coach that his sole job was to help develop my voice. So when I would go in the studio and write these records and perform them in the studio, it was just me in the studio by myself. I didn't have a vocal producer. I was my vocal producer, you know? So when I work with these artists, I'm a part of that side of things all the way to the point to where, like I said before, I may not have been in the studio when Justin recorded the Future Sex Love Show album, but I have to be the one or have been chosen to be the one to take those vocal files and arrange them as close as the album as possible. And if the music director says, hey, I would like to have a different arrangement for this or they do a different arrangement to like a my love or something i have to be able to maneuver with what the music director is doing musically come up with a cool arrangement for that and then have the singers sing that that way and hopefully the artists when they come in they get excited and really love it mm -hmm. so that's a part of the development side of that um i've been in the studio writing and arranging for other artists like um trey anastasia he just released his solo acoustic album, and I co-produced that with Vice, I'm, I'm this guy named Bryce, I'm sorry, and um, Vance Powell, who's one of the top um, engineers out of Nashville and around the world. Um, his assistant, Mike Fahey, you know, we did all of that right in here with um, Trey Anastasia earlier this year, and the album is called Mercy. It's an acoustic, solo acoustic album, his first, and it's really good. And not just because I worked on it, but, you know, vocal producing and arranging, and that's a part of the development side of things as well. Yeah. yeah. And what would be your top tip for an artist finding their vocal identity? Okay, cool. Fantastic. Um, we all have fingerprints. Mine is different than yours and to the next person. No one has this fingerprint like me. Even if there was a twin version of me, my version of my fingerprint is still different than my twin or triplet or quadruplet, just like that. So finding your style or your vocal fingerprint, it comes with a lot of different things. Studying your favorite singers, studying their nuances, their phrasing, and you're going to get some of their good and bad habits. But after you do those things, you'll jump off and find another singer. 
and not just listen to the singers that are in your box of favorites. Go outside your box and study other singers in other genres of music. You may not listen to bluegrass, Americana, folk music, or any of that stuff. Jump off into that area. That's where a lot of the amazing storytellers or songwriters and country music, you know, they write some amazing songs, amazing lyrics, amazing stories that makes you visualize immediately without ever seeing a music video of what that is. Study some of the greats over there. And by you doing those things, you're taking some of their good and bad habits and implementing that in your own style, right? And eventually, what's going to start to happen when you write your stuff, you'll take some of those nuances, create it with some of the stuff that you're feeling or you're inspired by. And then now you start to see your own style start to develop with that melting pot of people that you're listening to. Listening to. So I encourage singers to constantly not only stay within your box, but go outside it more so than you stay inside your box of favorite singers. If you're listening to the same five artists on your Spotify or your playlist, that's not good. Venture out. Study something that when you see other kids or, or other people listening to and they bob their head to, like there's some rap that I'm like, no, no, I can't listen to it. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is what my parents felt when I was young listening to Run DMC and Two Live Crew and the Beastie Boys and all that, you know, and then I'm like, OK, I, I don't want to be that parent. All right, I'll give it a chance. Some of it's musical. Some of the rappers have become more melodic. You know, if you listen to the evolution of when rap rappers started singing their own hooks, first of all, it used to be just the R&B artists. And then if they didn't sing on a bridge, they would put like a musical saxophone or or some type of musical instrument on the bridge. And then it went from that to having a rapper do 16 bars on the bridge to the point to where the rappers when they start putting out their records, they'll have that R&B artist sing the hook to their song. And then after a while, the R rappers are like, I can sing my own hook, melodyne it, put it in post. And now they're singing their whole songs, rap included. Yeah, which is crazy. Until they have to do it live. And then some of them can, a lot of them can't. But that's when we'll get a call to try and assist with that to where they can consistently. Yeah. My goodness, I could speak to you all day. It's been a huge treat to connect with you. I can't tell you. Where can people find more about you and the amazing work that you do? Awesome. So you can find me on my Instagram. It doesn't have the blue check on it. Yeah, I don't care about all that. If you're going to find me, you'll find me. But you can find it under Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, Rob, R-A-A-B. So that's R-O-B-E-R-T-R-A-A-B. Or if you're trying to find even more information, you can go to Kamad Productions. So that's www.kimadproductions.com. Yeah, but on my Instagram, I kind of post a uh, little stuff behind the scenes at shows with artists that I'm working with, little clips of that, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so, so much. Oh, no problem, Alexa. Thank you for having me.
So are you one of the many singers who want to teach others but just don't have the confidence to get started? Or are you already teaching and looking to upskill, fill some knowledge gaps or refresh? Well, the BAST 20-hour course is here to help you build your confidence, knowledge and skills. And you can find out more about the course and our next starting dates at our website, bastbasttraining.com. On the BAST course, we're going to help you understand functional anatomy of the instrument and how it applies to singing. And we're going to help you learn how to assess and identify the tools that you need to help someone sing well and safely. We're going to even introduce you to a little bit of the science behind sound making so you can significantly improve a singer's voice and it will seem like magic. We're going to help you master the art of effective student-centered teaching and how to get into a business and how to get it up and running and much, much more. By the end of the course, you will understand your potential as a singing teacher far better and you'll feel confident to charge to teach people how to sing or increase your rates. You're also going to have a wonderful and supportive network of like-minded singing teachers to hang out with. So go to the podcast description for a link to the website where you can find out more about the course and what we offer and if you want to talk to someone in person feel free to book one of the free consultation calls so we can talk to you directly and answer any of your questions looking forward to seeing you somewhere in the BAST community